Midlife Masculine Podcast. My name is Drew Sethi and join me on this journey of becoming an objective, independent, self-sovereign thinker and doer. The masculine maintains structure in our families and society, even when it's underappreciated. This always begins with the acquisition of knowledge, ancient or modern, obscure or mainstream. Regardless, we will acquire knowledge together on this show. Find us on mlmpod.info and all major podcast platforms. Please like, share, subscribe and hit the bell. I want to take this time to wish all my listeners a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Midlife Masculine Podcast. My guest today is Nico Lagan. Nico is an influential entrepreneur, men's coach, social media strategist, and host of the Nico Lagan Podcast. Welcome, Nico. Hey, what's going on, man? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. I listened to some of your uh, podcast episodes. One of my first conclusions is that you are a straight shooter, no-nonsense kind of guy. Is that fair? I should have asked you what I what I can and cannot say, but I am the asshole you need in your life. Yeah, everyone needs an asshole, especially men these days. Oh, absolutely. We all need one. We all need somebody that's going to be there to call our bullshit and say, yeah, no, no, that's no, that's that's those are excuses, bro. You need to do better. Absolutely. And I do feel we're somewhat on a similar mission as well. Your your goal is to help men reclaim their masculinity and purpose. And it's very much about doing the right things on a day-to-day basis. I have a similar goal, help men do just that. But perhaps for me, there's an undertone of spirituality and helping men see things differently and just bringing about that knowledge to them, especially to men in their midlife, so that they can have another shot in life. So I do think our missions are somewhat aligned. You know, the the difference is I, I take it by steps. So it's it's very hard for men in their 20s nowadays to be spiritual unless you come from a family that has an emphasis on spirituality, Christianity, wherever it is where where you are in the world. Most people don't have that anymore. So those are not the questions that we tend to ask in our 20s. Like I don't come from a religious family at all. Like I can count the amount of time I've been to church prior to the last couple of years. But what's interesting is when you get in your 30s and your 40s, when you are like I wrote my first book on the on the midlife crisis and I spent a lot of time alone. I spent two and a half years in the woods and one and a half year of that was basically me by myself with a dog. So this I had been spiritual. I've been involved in Buddhism for 12 years but i still had questions right so it's what's interesting is that the spirituality aspect has really entered my life mid-30s like around my beginning in mid-30s those are not questions i was wondering in my 20s so this i do talk about spirituality too now i'm going to start talking a lot more about it i'm going to start recording a bunch load of content about it but it's different ages right like this is what's hard if you concentrate on the people 30 and above spirituality is a big is a big game because we do tend to start looking at the future and say like i'm 41 years old by statistic i've lived more than half my life this is a fact this is just yes i do take care of myself but who knows what's gonna happen so this is where spirituality tends to enter people's lives because they're like okay there's pro- i'm on the back nine as i like to say right i'm coming back to the to the clubhouse right now i have more there there's more behind me than there's probably ahead of me so spirituality comes into question as to what happens after we die absolutely i think when um, people especially men are in their teens 20s it's all about 
material gain and uh, it's the alpha fire energy sort of dominates but as you reach your midlife mid say mid 30s onwards the more of that water energy seeps in and you start thinking you start thinking about the bigger things and asking those bigger questions and to your point earlier so I've, I'm quite fortunate I was born in a Hindu family and I follow the Hindu faith of or way of living so that that concept that we are a soul in a human body is very much ingrained in us since a child since we were ch- uh, children and so we question these things reincarnation soul leaving body etc so i've been quite fortunate but in spite of that having grown up in the west it was very much about material gain uh, education jobs making money in your 20s and like you correctly pointed out now we're thinking about different bigger questions but the thing is though is that i've met a lot of people in my life that are younger men but they have that fate component from the get-go. Like it is something that their fathers has taught them. And you clearly see a difference in their in the way that they achieve things a lot faster. When you have faith in something greater than yourself, you understand from the get-go that you were meant to be here. There's a force above you and I that puts you on this earth for a reason. That means you have purpose. Most people know, you know, one of the things that... Um, you see a lot, at least in North America, is men are depressed. And I'm air quoting it because I don't believe in depression. I think depression is bullshit. It's it's something that we say we have because we lack purpose. If you've never, have you ever met somebody that's depressed that has purpose? No. No. Have you ever found somebody that has purpose that's depressed? No. And this is the thing. And this is why faith is such a big component of me right now like if you look at my five virtues of a good man faith is the fifth one not because it's the least important but because it wraps everything together like my life has been defined by my faith i used to call it instinct until years ago i realized that no it's a dire through my heart i directly connect to god and god has been telling me what i should be doing i've been calling it instinct it's just i did not know i did not know that i can speak to god every day directly i don't need anybody else to speak to god it is a very private relationship that i have and it is between him and i but can you imagine if i would have been taught this at a young age if somebody would have told me through your heart you can have a direct connection to god this doesn't i I don't question what god tells me never never as hard as it can be i will never i will always remind myself that you know what Nothing happens for, nothing's, I don't believe in coincidences. Everything happens for a reason. The only reason people think that coincidences happen is that we're not paying much attention. We don't understand what goes on around us. We don't ask the proper questions. But at the same time, maybe I don't understand why something bad's happening to me, but I have faith that it's happening for the right reason. I just don't know the end goal. I'm only one part of the whole. I'm not the whole seeing everything that happened. I'm playing checkers when the whole is playing chess. So I only see a very small portion of it. And this is why faith is so important because shit's going to happen. But you know how powerful it is for me to just say, you know what? I don't understand why this is happening to me. I don't feel that I deserve this. But at the same time, there's a reason for it. My ignorance will not change the fact that it's happening. And pain and suffering are the two best teachers on this planet. 100% 100% agree. And I never thought about what you said, that um, people without purpose go into depression. That is uh, very interesting. I think 50 Cent said this some time back, that being depressed is is a luxury. 
it's usually if you have nothing to work towards, then you could fall, you, you could become depressed. And that said, I'm not taking anything away from anybody who's suffered depression, you know, all due respect to that. But if you are undergoing some sort of a depression, I think these are very wise words from Nico. Just ask yourself, what is the purpose? And then maybe if you ask, answer that question, you can get yourself out of depression. So Nico, what in your opinion is the state of masculinity today? I know here in North America, it's the state of masculinity is at a point where real masculinity is considered toxic, which makes zero sense to me. We're, we're really in a situation where we're treated traditional masculinity like it is a problem yet if you look at everything that happens in north america most men problem where i can actually see toxic masculinity is when there is a lack of masculinity look at look at the u.s a big a big thing they talk about all the time are school shooters so school shooters are mostly men with guns that go into school and kill people if you looked at every single one of them they had they were identified for having mental illnesses. There were priests. Every single one of them was on some type of antidepressant drug. And they were always having massive, massive issues with their masculinity. And those guys are the complete opposite of what a masculine man does. A masculine man serves and protect his family, his loved ones, his community. Guys that are ready to do this type of thing are not real men. They show none of the traits that a real man possess. And this is an extreme case that I'm using, but it's just to show a point that look around you. Traditional men now are considered to be things of the past, that it's not required anymore. Men don't need to be men anymore. Yet, if you look at the society, if you look at the UK, if you look at North America, both Canada and the US, those society were built by men. It is men that build society so that their families can thrive. We take it upon ourselves to do shitty jobs we don't like for 30 years to make sure that our kids have a better life than we do. And we do this out of duty. We do this because we know it is our job to do so. We want to protect and we want to provide. 100% agree. Uh, if we go beyond the traditional roles of men and women and we talk at a spiritual level, at the energetic level, there are two different energies. You know, the, the spiritual or energetic level at which I'm talking, it transcends the roles. Now, because the energies are different, somewhere the roles will be different as well. Somewhere the human form of masculine and feminine energies will think differently as well. And because they think differently, they will act and do things differently. Men are more forward-looking. It's all about achieving, overcoming obstacles, whereas the feminine is more about the nurturing side of things. In nature, you need both forces to work together. And you mentioned a very interesting point that uh, in society, men and women are told to be the same. You know, the, the, the numbers are there to show it to you. Men Women are twice as much likely to be depressed than men. But if you look at women in their 30s, women in their 30s that have no children are twice as much likely to be depressed than women that are mothers. So right then and there, you have twice more chances to be depressed if you don't have kids in your 30s. And you're telling me that you're not supposed to have kids? Yeah, bullshit. Like, and see, this is where, do I believe that there's a, an agenda that actually force feeds us this shit 100%. But the point in the matter is that the numbers are there. Don't believe in the conspiracy, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Most people don't believe into conspiracies until they're proven right. Now they're not conspiracies anymore, they're just truth. But if you look 
there's why would men be encouraged to not be masculine? Because men are the first and last line of defense against everything. Throughout history, men have died for their families, for their loved ones, for their communities. So if you want to, let's agree on this. The government doesn't like you. They don't care for you. They're not there to save you. There's no knight in shining armor that's here to save you. That means that they don't like you. That means they want to control you. That's, that's what true power is. Power is control. So how do you control a society? You make their men weak because they are the first and last line of defense. You know the saying that says that uh, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create hard times, and hard times create strong men. It is based on, you know that that was studied and it was, it is, there's two, there's two scientists that proved it to be right. 80 to 100 years old, 120 years is the cycle. And the last time we had real men in North America was after the Second World War in 1945. We're almost banged to the dot. Like we're like two years out of being on the 80 year anniversary of when the last real men were in North America. Yeah, I strongly believe that as well. And looking at some of our current world, Western world leaders, uh, Macron, Trudeau, Biden, you know, I wouldn't uh, trust them to take out the garbage. So let alone uh, run a war. Uh, so on that, Nico, I, th I think you and I are sort of in agreement here. There's some sort of a war going on. So in my opinion, and feel free to challenge me on this, I don't think women, it's, it's not a war, again, between men and women here, uh, but it's certainly between men and masculine energy and another party. In your opinion, who is that other party that's fighting against men or masculine energy? You know... The, who's the other party that's fighting against masculine men? See, and this is where you get into the, um, you, you, we're going to get into the conspiracy theories of this world, right? Oh, oh, I love it. Like I've been, I've been researching this stuff since I'm 14 years old. They didn't have a term to try to insult me back then. So it's all good, but you know, it's all about control. Think about it. It's just control. It's pure control. It is, it is shown through. You can look at, if you somewhat understand psychology, you, you start to understand who are the type of people that are interested by being in politics. They're all sociopaths. Look at most, most men today that run massive companies or that run, that, that want to go into politics. They're sociopaths. If you understand what a sociopath is, that means they lack empathy. That's the big thing for a sociopath is that they don't care about other people. They don't, they don't perceive other people as the, as their equal. If you understand that, what do they want? What do people want? Money. Why? Because it equals power. What happens when you have so much money that you don't need more money? Because at the end of the day, you're not chasing money. Money is a tool to get power. So what do you want? Power. What's the ultimate source of power when you have all the money in the world? Control people. Tell people what they can and cannot do. And this is what we're seeing today. Like if you believe in real world uh, if you believe in conspiracy or you've been researching it for a while, there's a great documentary that came out, I think, at the end of the 80s, mid-90s. It was called Money Masters. It explains why money was invented, by who it was invented, and what was the intent? What was going to happen? Everything they talk about came true because this it's been out for at least 15, 20 years. And it's free. You guys can find it on YouTube. The guy never charged for it. It's dry. It's like three and a half hours long, but the guy speaks to economists that have... Nobel prizes. We're, we're not talking about me that's read a few articles on economy that gives an opinion here. We're talking about some of the smartest people on the planet and they just explain the history of it. And you understand that when you control money reserves, like you look at money reserve, like in the US, people think that the Federal Reserve belongs to the government. 
Canadian have not been printing their money for a long time. I think there were, funny enough, there were two or three countries that were still printing their own money. They were all in the Middle East. And somehow the U.S. was at war with them. You think that's a coincidence? Of course not. Of course not. Those families used the UK to spread their federal, the equivalent of their federal reserve everywhere in the world. 80 years ago, they started using the US because it was becoming the superpower. That's all it is. And it's been going on for centuries. And it's almost done. Like right now, they finally have the technology to start really controlling you. Why do you think they're trying to remove money? Like, like real currency, paper currency? You're referring to central bank digital currencies, CBDCs, right? Let's uh, just bring it back a little bit more uh, to some fundamentals. So in terms of masculinity, what is it to you? What is masculinity to you? I, def- I define it into five virtues. A man needs to be courageous. Everything starts with courage. You need to have the balls to do what needs to get done when it needs to get done. That's number one. Number two, you need to accept the fact that you are a protector. You are meant to protect your family, to protect your loved ones, to protect your community. You are the first line and last line of defense against any tyranny. As men, we are disposable. This is why we're always the one dying in war. We're always the one giving our lives for war because this is what we're we're bigger, we're stronger, we're faster, we're more aggressive. We have more testosterone. We have all the elements to be a protector. It is our job to accept that fact and to train to become, you know, that expression, and it's a Chinese expression that says, I'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war zone. I always hope for the best, but I'm not a gardener. I can tell you that much. I'm not a gardener. But this is something that men need to accept, but it goes further than just being a protector. Building the tools to become a protector, like going to the gym, being careful about your diet, treating your body with the respect that it deserves. Stop treating it like a dumpster. Like look at in North America right now, or especially in the US, 42% of people are over are obese and 30% of them are overweight. So that means that 78% of people are not in great conditional, are not in great physical condition. Only 28% of people are supposed to be okay. And we're not talking about athlete levels here. We're just talking about regular people that was almost 100% of people 40 years ago, 50 years ago. But this is the state. So we don't even treat our body. We treat our bodies like dumpsters today. But it goes further than how you look and the way your body operates. It is the first step to gaining mastery to your, to your mind. Mastering your body is the first step to mastering your mind. It's physical. You can see it in the mirror. It's easy to do something, stick to it for a while, and you can see the result right there in front of you. And it's a beautiful thing to stick to something. It takes, they say 21 days to build new habits. Stick to it for two months. Before you know it, you're like, oh shit, I've become disciplined. Just me going to the gym five times a week. Just me being more conscious about what I eat every day. You're separating, you know, you know Cardone, the, the sales guy, like the sales guru. So he was on a podcast with a, with a friend of mine and they were talking about finance. And he looks at, he looks at, um, he looks at my friend. The guy is 24 years old. He's super young, but incredible, incredible shape. And he looks at him. He says, um, do you have abs? The guy's shredded. He's like, of course I have abs. And then he's like, show. So he show his abs and he's like, do you know that one out of 10 people in the U.S. are millionaire? But only, but only one, less than 1% of people have visible abs. It's 10 times, as per the statistics, it's 10 times easier to be a millionaire than it is to have abs. How messed up is that? Because everybody can have abs. Everybody can have abs. It's up to you. It's up to you. You don't even need to go to the gym. Just eat well. Just eat well. I agree. Whenever in life I've been somewhat 
lost, had uh, dif- difficult phases and not known what to do next. I've just hit the gym, hit the punching bags, all of that stuff without thinking, just doing that. And slowly but steadily, thoughts and ideas and some direction sort of creeps into your mind, into your thoughts. I wish there were study to show a man that's take the average man today that doesn't work out, that doesn't take care of themselves, that eats a bunch of crap, that has a very normal nine to five, and then give them a year. Start putting them into the gym, give them a diet, make build accountability so that they stick to it, build discipline. I would be curious how many people after sticking up to a year have either got promotions or quit their job, starting their own business, started reading, started exploring things that they never considered before that have, as you said, ideas that has never come up to them. Like I guarantee you that it's exponential, but it starts with your body. Take control of your, master your body. I call it being a protector because it takes everything. A man needs to protect, but in order to protect, you need to be in shape. You need to take care of your body. You need to learn the skills to defend your family. But to achieve that, to achieve being a protector, you will also achieve mastering, at least starting to master your mind. Third, is being a provider. In today's world, being a provider means making money. But it also means provides us, you know, I don't, I don't believe in safe spaces. Like I hate that expression, but there is one place that safe space can exist and it's at a home. Behind that closed door, you are supposed as a man to provide a safe space for your wife and your family to live in. Because if your family is always in a situation of survival, they will never grow. No growth is possible in a state of survival. So you need to provide a space where they feel safe so that they can explore their mind. They can grow as individual. They can explore new things. And this, as a man, is your job. But how can you ever make a maximum amount of money if you're not first in shape? Because you master your mind through first mastering your body. So that's why this is the way. Have the courage to do what needs to get done. Start hitting the gym. Start taking control. And if you can't do it for yourself, do it for your family or do it for your future family. Build the skills to become a protector. You will take control over your body. By taking control of your body, you will start developing your brain. By trying to make more money, you will start mastering skills that you don't possess right now. This is why it's all one after the other. But once you're there, you need to learn temperance. Because this is a problem that a lot of men today deal with because we're told to act like little girls. We're told, oh no, tell us how you feel. Just act your feeling. No, that's negative. That's feminine energy. Living in your, we're telling men to live in their feminine. No, men are meant to be stoic. Men are meant to control their emotions. That doesn't mean that emotions don't exist. All it means is that you have two choices. You control your emotions or you let them control you. Those are your options. Yeah, 100%. Temperance is uh, very important for masculine energy. And for me, meditation has been a savior. I I used to be a pretty angry, annoying getting annoyed as well as a kid but uh, over the years when i start meditating i really mastered that temperance that said there's still a simmering anger which i quite like actually i want that anger to be simmering i want to be able to i want to be able to go apeshit when i have once every maybe five or six years and i quite like that i want to be that i don't want to be calm and zen every time so it's good to have that in your inventory i think in your baggage if you need to take it out sometime 
meditation is everything. You hit it right on the head. This is what changed my life more than 10 years ago. Combined with martial art, the more you do martial art, the more you realize that it's not worth it. Like the, the more you learn to fight, the less you want to fight. It's a very interesting concept. But unfortunately in the West, we, I love Muay Thai. I've been in Muay Thai for 20 years. I'm a Muay Thai instructor. If, if you take it in Thailand, they don't talk about the Buddhism aspect of Muay Thai because the whole culture is part of Buddhism. They understand Buddhism on a daily basis. When we took the style from Thailand and we brought it to North America, that component did not come with it because it's societal. Over there, there are Buddhists. You have Buddhist people that do Muay Thai. You go to China, very similar. You have Buddhist individuals. The most trained individuals are Buddhist monks. They're fucking killers. But they're very Zen because they meditate. But Kung Fu technically doesn't call you to be a Buddhist. But it's societal. What, they're combined as per the society, but we take those styles, we bring them to the U.S., but we don't bring the philosophy with it. We take the techniques, but we don't teach them in a way where we incorporate that meditation aspect. We incorporate connecting your body to your mind with your soul. Like we don't, we don't put them all together. And this is something that's missing. We, we're, we're too over specialized, right? But this is why faith is so important, though. Because you talk about Hindu. I talk, my faith is because I believe in a Christian God. That's who I believe in. But faith just means you believe in something. Well, you believe in three things. And you tell me if it makes sense to you. But most people think faith is a religious term. It is, but it doesn't need to. And the way I like to explain it is this. Replace faith by belief. How can you ever create self-confidence if you don't first believe that you're capable of achieving anything you put your mind how can you ever create how can you ever build a new relationship with someone if you don't first believe that they are the person they say they are and how can you ever find purpose if you don't first believe that you were put here for a reason this is what faith is all about i agree with you faith and uh, religion don't have to be the same thing uh faith perhaps to me is a belief that there's a greater power or at a minimum we are part of that greater power we're a figment of that and we've been put on this world put on this earth for a purpose i mean the distance between the moon and earth and then earth and the sun if it was just deferred by even just one percent or the the axis of the earth was just tilting by more than i think it was three percent either everything would be frozen on earth or fully roasted and there wouldn't be any life i mean it's everything is so delicately balanced that's not an accident brother very true i know all the all, all the respect to scientists but i think sometimes the parameters within which they operate is very limited but if we study the ancient sages and seers from ancient civilizations somehow they knew more i think they could tap into other forms of living but we're sort of narrowing ourselves more and more you don't even need to go that far go to call Jung. One of the greatest, greatest psychiatrists that ever lived, in my opinion. He talks about this stuff all the time. He talks about, you, you read his biography and he talks about how he, through meditation, he was able to speak to entities. You look at a Nikola Tesla. He said it out loud that he didn't invent anything. He just tapped in a source of some type and he was downloading stuff that it, it just came to him from somewhere. He called them aliens, whatever you want to call them. Does not matter, but the point is you have some of the greatest minds that ever lived that talks about this, and yet you and I are crazy for talking about this and believing this? No, no. Even when the Buddha reached enlightenment, he was able to say that he had reincarnated over 800 times before he reached enlightenment. Which science or which scientific discipline would be able to answer that question? 
Absolutely. We can talk about these things for hours, Nico, I feel. <laughs> but, but going back to the five um, virtues of good men, where were we at? We said, we said the five. We have ha- having courage, being a protector, being a provider, having temperance, and having faith. Faith. Absolutely. Very key component. You have a, you've had an interesting upbringing. I do want to spend some time trying to understand your upbringing. You mentioned that you didn't have a strong male figure growing up, or at least somebody who was not consistently there. And that got in, you into a lot of trouble, such as uh, addiction and drug dealing. So what I'd like you to explain and to me and the listeners is, is at what point did it change and how was it growing up like that? Well, I don't know how it was because I don't know any better. <laughs> I haven't. It, I, I didn't get the. I didn't get the upbringing of having a father that was present. And you know, that's a question. I'm a big fan of philosophy, and that's a question I've asked myself multiple times: is what's worse, having a father that's not there, or having a father that's not present? Interesting question. And I don't know. Like, I'll never get the answer, obviously. But this is why philosophy is so beautiful. But my father was not present when I was younger. He was always on the road. I don't have a lot of memories of him. And when I was 14, my parents got divorced. My One thing I need to say is my mother eventually found somebody else, great man, but it was too late. Like It doesn't take long for somebody to start start believing that they know and to, start list, to stop listening to whatever anybody else has to say. And when my dad left, that's what happened. I, I, Steve Harvey puts it, I'm going to butcher it again, but Steve Harvey says it, that a father leaving leaves a hole in his son's soul in his shape. So basically him leaving, there's a hole. There's a hole in that soul and it's going to need to be filled. And this is what happened to me. But what did I know at 14 what a good man was? What did I know what to look up to? Because by default, it's like it's in our DNA. Me, men will look for other men to emulate. We look for other men to help us become men. You know, if you look at women, women become girls become women when they're able to procreate. This is never this is never this is never denied. Nobody's going to say that if you're capable of having children, if you're a certain age and you're capable of having children, we assume you're a woman. But a man doesn't. But a boy does not become a man by default. A man, a man is not born; he's made. This is why rites of passages were so important, and this is what I lacked when I was younger: is a rite of passage, having a man there to teach me. This is what. This is how a man become. This is how a boy becomes a man. This is how a man becomes a good man, and this is how a good man becomes a great man. We don't have that. I'm. I'm. I'm not an exception anymore, right? If you look at statistics. 33% to 40% of young boys are raised in North America without their father in the household. That's brutal. 100%. A mother cannot teach her son how to become a man. This is a simple fact that women cannot teach a boy how to become a man. In the same way as a man cannot teach a little girl how to become a woman. And this is not, this doesn't take anything away from women or telling them that they're not good mothers. On the contrary, all it says is that you need to embrace the fact that you need men. Your son needs men. Take your ego aside. It's not about you. It's about your son. Your son, if you don't want your son to go through what I've been through, to just become a statistic, make sure he has good men to emulate. Make sure, and it doesn't need to be a partner. It could be 
a cousin, a grandfather, could be a friend of the family. Could, you don't know where to look, go to a martial arts gym. If you don't know where, send me an email, send me a text, contact me somewhere. I'll find you a school. I know people all around the world that run schools. I'll find you one that you can send your, your son to that he will get coached by a good man because... At the end of the day, this is one thing most people that never competed in sport will never understand is no matter the sport, a coach is not there to really teach you about sport. They use a common passion. Let's say it's basketball. They find young men that love basketball and they coach them through basketball to become men. They teach them life lesson through a shared passion. Yeah, 100% agree. Just on your prior point, young men are always looking outwards to find a role model when there's not one at home. So what ends up happening? They end up in gang violence, joining gangs. A lot of the terrorists that we see are generally younger men. And it's because they don't have that role model. If you look at gang members, they look very manly. And they looked very manly to me when I was 14. This is who I was emulating. But if you look at all the traits that they have, they're weak men. They don't live, they don't serve anybody else. They're selfish. A good man isn't selfish. A good man is selfless. This is the number one thing. Men are meant to serve. How can you be a good man if you're selfless? If you're selfish, you can't. And if you look at those guys, they're selfish. They're ready to sell drugs to those boys, to those, to children, to people, as long as they make money. They don't care. That, that's, this is, the, the data is right there. It's everywhere you look nowadays. What were the effects of not having strong men available to those young boys? And like you're saying, in those circumstances, it's sports can be a big savior. J letting the young kid, the son, join some sort of a sports, basketball, football, martial arts, whatever it is, because they're always looking outwards. That's the masculine energy, looking outwards. Whereas the, if we contrast it with feminine energy or young girls, when they get their first periods, they're in, they're in discomfort, they're in pain. They have nowhere to turn but inwards. And when they turn inwards, they connect with their emotions. And what are emotions? Ultimately, that's the language of the universe, universe being God. So they are more likely to stay on a safe path because of that connection to universe. But when a man is looking outwards and idolizing the wrong people, he doesn't connect with himself, his emotions, and he's just out of path. So yeah, sports can be a big savior in these uh, circumstances. And I love the way you said it because this is why boys or kids are made by a man and a woman because they have two different roles in that in raising that child. Like if you look a single mother, a mother is supposed to teach his son or her son about emotional intelligence. This is the first woman he will ever love. She needs to be there in her feminine making. If, if you look at the agogi from the Spartans, this is brutal. People don't like to hear about this, but until the age of seven or eight years old, they spent most of their time with their mothers. Why? Because they needed to connect with the emotion. They needed to understand how to deal with their emotion. They needed to understand what kindness, compassion was. This is a feminine trait. And this was embraced. And we're talking about some of the strongest warriors that ever lived. But yet the first part of their life was spent with their mothers because they understood that they needed that connection to their emotions. And it is not a man that will teach that. It is a woman that is supposed to teach that. The man, on the other hand, is going to be more teaching them about being a protector. They're going to teach them about discipline. They're going to be the one that's going to say, you know what? No, no, that's normally the authority figure. That's normally the person that gives discipline that will, you know, back in the days, men would just look at their kids and just give them a look and the kids, like, no, that's okay. I get it. But this is good. 
it all the logic is normally comes from the father, and all the emotional aspect comes from the mother. But now the mothers are not in are not in touch with their emotions, and the fathers are feminine. Like this is what we live in right now. We're it is absolutely amazing that we believe what's going on right now. That we don't embrace gender roles, understanding that men having a purpose and women having a different purpose when it comes to raising kids just shows that we're meant we're, we're we complement each other we're supposed to go together that doesn't take anything away from the woman saying you're weak because you can't teach that absolutely not it simply means that you're both supposed to participate and what happened when you have a single mother just like me she tried to play both roles and what happens when you multitask you fuck both things up. You're not doing one properly, so you're trying to do both without one being done properly. So none of it get none of it happens. So what happens? My mother gave up. When I was 15, what what was she going to do? Seriously, what was she going to do? Nothing. I wasn't listening. I didn't care. I'm bigger than you. I'm smart. I'm stronger than you. I, I thought I was a lot smarter than her too. So what the hell are you gonna do? You're not gonna prevent me from doing shit. So by 15, I dropped out of school. I was doing drugs. I was starting to sell drugs. I was drinking every day. I was doing drugs every day. So technically, that makes me an addict. That makes me an alcoholic. And that I was on that path for six or seven years. I wasn't listening. I knew better. My idols, I idolize rappers. I, I, I come from a time where rappers were actual gangsters. They lived in ghettos. They had, But somehow, they made it out. They had millions. They had women. They had cars. Hey, to me, that was attractive as hell, man. Jesus, that was a good man for me. But what the fuck did I know? I was 14 years old. What the hell did I know? Oh, yeah. What? Like listening to, to uh, you look, you're listening to some uh, Mob D's, some Wu-Tang, some the original Nas. You're looking at when Tupac was still alive. You're looking at people that actually weren't big pussies like you see today. Those guys were gangsters. Like those guys were hard, hard men. Does that make them great? Does that make them good? No, absolutely not. But they were hard. They were definitely hard. Early 20s, I was... You know, it's interesting because one thing I've learned over the past 20 years is pain and suffering are the greatest of teachers. It's interesting how we always talk about the the comfort zone, how dangerous it is, and it connects with us being scared of being hurt. Nobody learns anything unless you're hitting the, you, you hit the bottom. You feel like crap and you know that you can't continue doing what you're doing because something needs to change. Like it's not going well. It always keeps bringing you back to the bottom. So at one point, you have to wake up because it is the definition of insanity, doing the same thing, expecting different results. But when you're in, in comfort, when you're not hurting enough to change, this is why it's so toxic. But you will never change unless you're forced to change. We're, we're very adaptable as human beings, but we're very fucking lazy at the same time, too. I don't want to change if I don't have to. It's too complicated to change, right? This is what people think. But I was in a situation where I was, um, yeah, I was 20, getting evicted from my apartment. I had been living by myself for more than three years by then. You know, I laugh at this, but I rent. I've rented. I still do today. I would not have rented my place to somebody that was like me. I can say from all honesty now, looking at myself at 20, I was not a good tenant. So I was getting evicted. And it was 100% my fault. All I did is party, sell drugs. Not very cool as a tenant. Let's agree on that. So I was in a situation where I was getting evicted. I'm literally sitting on the ground. All my stuff is packed. I don't know where I'm going. And I was offered a situation where, 
you know, another thing I realized over the over time is when you have an opportunity to change, there's normally always an opportunity that presents itself to keep you on the track that you're there, even make it worse. Like it's like, you know, that little angel and devil happens like this to me has happened throughout my life. I see, I see it and I laugh at it. I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. Oh, but here's an opportunity. No, no. And that was the first time that was happening where I had an opportunity to not just sell, but to start producing the drug instead of just selling it. That's a step up. That to me, that's a promotion, but I was getting evicted. I needed a place in between, right? I wasn't able to go into that field right away. So I was puzzled. I'm like, what do I do? I'm becoming homeless, basically. If I don't find a place to live, I got no place to go. And I don't believe in coincidences. And it started that day. That's why I don't believe it started exactly that day. I got a call from my mother. And my mother and I are not, we're not super close, but she knew what I was up to. I never lied to her about that. And she just asked me a very simple question. Are you happy? And you know, when you're in a place where you start to realize that, oh man, I'm getting evicted this is not a good place to be. Like I've, I was becoming a homeless. So I'm like, somebody asked me a question. Are you happy? When you're ready to hear that question, it's not just like a little question that somebody asks you as you're smoking a cigarette outside or something. This is an existential question that if you're in the right state of mind or the wrong state of mind, you will actually analyze that question. And that's what happened. I just, for the first time in my life, I'm just, man, am I happy? Then it start, you start looking at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm not that good of a guy. Like, I used to steal from the people that I love. I've heard a lot of people that I've loved through my life. I've done a lot of stuff that I didn't care what the repercussions were because I was selfish. I didn't care. All that, all that mattered to me was doing what I wanted to do, which was doing drugs, drinking, and rapping. That's it. All the rest, irrelevant. Did not care. But the first time you're put in a situation to look at yourself, you're like, ooh, you can either blame everybody to say, you know what, I'm, would it have been different if my father was there? 100%. Could have my mother done more? 100%. Are they 100% uh, responsible for my decisions? Absolutely not. I made those decisions. I don't choose, you don't choose the cards you're, you're given, but you definitely choose the way you play them. And, that day, I just looked at myself for the first time. And then she cared. She, she asked me, are you, if you're not, if you want something different, I can't pay for, I can't sustain you as in I can't pay for anything. I'm, I can just give you a roof over your head. But then, and she's like, but I expect you to do something. You're going to start working or you're going to go back to school. And that's, you know, I don't know how you are as a person, but I always take decisions extremely fast. I follow my heart. So I know right away what decisions to take. And then I spend my time trying to explain logically why I took that decision. I try to make sense of my instinct or my faith to say, yes, I'm going to do this. And this is what we're doing. Then I try to explain why I took that decision. But that's what I did. And I ended up moving back to my mother. So that phone call from your mother was that trigger that made you see things differently? perfect time it was perfect timing it, she could have called a week before that i wouldn't have cared i would have just no i wasn't hurting enough a week prior to that i wasn't getting evicted i wasn't in a situation where i was facing being homeless i wasn't in a situation where i was ready to hear it and you know one thing that she's done brilliantly is not only did she ask the questions at the right time but she asked it in a way that was authentic 
she was not trying to tell me that I was wrong. She was not trying to tell me that I was a bad person. She wasn't trying to accuse me of anything. She really just asked a question that was an honest, honest question. Are you happy? And it's interesting because my mother is very critical. Like as a person, she's extremely critical of what I do. And she doesn't mince her word. She normally is very emotional. She's run by her emotions. So she doesn't really think when she says something, it just comes out the way it does and take it or leave it. But somehow that day, she was not like that. That's why I don't believe in coincidences. I don't, for sure, there's a God somewhere that spoke through her. My mother was just kind of a messenger. She was just delivering a message that was given to her. And why did she call it that exact time? Mothers have that intuitive powers that we can't explain. I have that with my mother as well. She knows when I'm down. She knows when I'm happy. And I don't have to tell her. We don't even have to be in the same country. She knows it. So mothers definitely have that power. It's a beautiful thing. And that, again, goes with the fact that they're based in emotions. It's, It's a beautiful thing when you start looking at all those things. And instead of looking at it like different silos, you start, you step back and you look at it as a holistic thing to say, ah, that's why women are are more emotional, they're more kind, they're more compassionate. Oh, that makes sense. You start, you know, you start understanding. I've asked that question to most guys that I speak to on podcasts, and I'm like, can you imagine as a man giving birth, carrying a baby inside your body for nine months, having it rot, like destroy your all inside, destroy your outside, and still love that kid not wanting to kill it? None of us. Every time I've asked that question, they have that exact same reaction. <laughs> no. Yet a woman... We'll describe that as the best the best thing that ever happened to her. She's never felt more connected to something else. Are you kidding me? Do you think that's do you you don't think that's by that's by design? Of course it is. Of course it is. And in spite of that, they put up with our tantrums when we were teenagers. So shout out to all the mothers out there. It's not easy to be a mother, brother. That's for damn sure. At least from the outside it looks like it's hard. For sure, for sure. It's been a very insightful conversation, uh, Nico, I have to say, in all my episodes. That's the takeaway section. So what takeaway would you give my listeners in terms of how to tap into their masculinity? I mean, I'm not saying that they'll become fully masculine man, but what what, what starting point? It all starts the same place. As the biggest problem we have in society today, a lack of accountability. This is where my life changed 21 years ago is when I started being accountable for my actions. If you look at any addiction, pro- like you look at addiction programs like NA or AA, they all start from the same place, except that there's a problem. And guess what? The following sentence pretty much tells you you're the problem. Hey, admit that you have a problem. Okay, you agree you have a pro- there's a problem? Awesome. You're the problem. If your life sucks, it's your fault. But that also means that you have the power to change. And this is where it starts for men is just to accept that life is not fair. To accept that you're probably an asshole right now if you're if you're not self-aware. Self-awareness is it, but it starts by accountability. Taking responsibilities for our actions. And once you start doing this, you start looking at everything that happens around you. And you're like, oh shit, maybe that's why I'm so unhappy. Maybe, yeah, you know what? I'm not treating my body right. Yeah, that's true. Ah, shit, I'm surrounded by five guys that all they want to do is party and listen to the game on the weekends. And I wonder why I'm not more ahead in life. You are the sum of the five people closest. This is the thing. The day you start to be accountable and say, you know what? That's my fault. Okay, cool. If we accept that it's my fault, what can I do better? 
and then you start looking around you, you start asking questions. And this is all where it starts. Just admit, as cheesy as it sounds, look at yourself in the mirror and admit that you are an asshole, that you're probably very selfish, that you don't care. I think that's a key takeaway, Nico. And certainly from my experience, that has a calming effect as well. When you sort of know, whenever something goes wrong and you're pointing outwards, but if you just take a second and think, okay, what was my role in this uh, this outcome? And when you start looking inwards, it has some sort of a calming effect. You don't really engage in discussions, arguments, like you can really take a step back and work on yourself. So I think that's a very key takeaway. My Nico. second book, I'm writing my second book right now on the five virtues of a good man. So hopefully that will, my goal is to finish it before the end of the year. I'm self-published, so it normally goes faster. But yeah, that's the next, that's the next part and helping content creators, like especially masculine content creators have an impact. Like I believe I'm meant to help men and I want to help men that help men get their voice out there, like coach them on how to be better in front of that camera, but also do everything from branding, from messaging, from putting how to put their message out there, how to integrate AI, how to grow your views. Like those are, I want to build an army of good men. And the best way I know how is to show them all the cells and LP psychology principles that I've learned over 12 years of high end cells and develop their skills in front of that camera and how to reach people. Nicolagan.com. All my socials are there. All everything I do is on there. So you can find me there. You can find me at real Nicolagan everywhere. But if you go to my website, everything's there. And I'll link that in the description below. With that, Nico, thank you once again and good luck. Thank with you, your brother. Book. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciated the conversation. You've been listening to the Midlife Masculine Podcast. Find us on mlmpod.info and all major podcast platforms. Please like, share, subscribe, and hit the bell.